Scripture reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Paul writes, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ." alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility." By abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and preached to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to one, in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You know, there's a lot of talk today about building walls, especially uh, along the southern border of our country. And, uh, you know, our country already has some some fences and some walls already built along the southern border. But the thought is, you know, we'll put a bigger wall, a longer wall, and it will be more effective in keeping people out. And so some people in this congregation, I'm sure you support that idea of the wall. Some people may not support the idea of the wall. Some of you don't care about the wall at all. Uh, you may be neutral. Uh, but however you view that whole political issue, uh, you know, I think we can all agree that some walls and fences are good. For example, you have walls in your home that are separating certain rooms from other rooms, right? And that's a good thing. Uh, You have uh, fences you may put up in your yard uh, to keep pets or children from running out into the road and things like that and keeping other people from maybe running into your backyard and taking things that don't belong to them and things like that. So those those, uh, places are good to put maybe a fence or to have walls in your home. Those can be a good thing. Um, So fences and walls can be useful. Uh, But we not only build physical walls and physical fences, but we also build and erect these relational walls as well. You know, we form groups and we allow certain people in our group and certain people cannot be in our group or join our group. And sometimes those types of groups are harmless and maybe even beneficial. For example, you know, you may put some uh, second graders together to learn together and you may put some sixth graders together to learn and some tenth graders together and that's a good thing. I mean, you, know, that, you can teach them on their level. So grouping people like that 
uh, can be beneficial and, uh, and rather harmless. Or maybe you're going to have a women's Bible study or a men's prayer group. I mean, we would say, you know, that's, that's fine. I mean, if you want to have a women's Bible study or a men's prayer group, that's, that's fine. If you want to you know, have a certain group formed like that. But sometimes we, we create groups and we close off people in such a way that is actually antithetical to the gospel. It actually goes against the very foundation of what we believe. And believe it or not, it wasn't that long ago that churches, even in our own city, um, not only looked segregated, but actually intentionally kept themselves segregated. In other words, you would actually have official policy that would say certain people can, can be allowed into worship the Lord with the church. And certain people would be actually be turned away. I mean, can you imagine that? But that's the way it was. And so today, I don't think you're going to find that type of policy in effect, for the most part, at least officially. But we still can tend to enforce that type of policy in how we treat people, right? And how we look at people. And how welcoming we are to people or not to other types of people. And so the reality here is that by nature, you know, if that was happening in the church and even still can happen today, what you have to say is just by nature, we are wall builders. You know, we build walls to, to enforce some type of separation. And we kind of run to this idea of we want to have our group and we want to, you know, tend to look down on others that are not in our group. And, you know, one of the primary reasons that you build a wall is to keep people out, right? That's the whole purpose of having the wall. And this was the unfortunate scenario in Paul's day, in the first century. You know, if you were not a Jewish person, then you had limited access to God. As he was revealed through the scripture among the Jewish people. You know, the, the Jewish people in the Old Testament were a blessed people. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I mean, they were a blessed people because God gave them the privilege of carrying the light of His revelation of Himself to the world. I mean, they were a blessed people because God revealed Himself to them. And there's no doubt about that. But the problem is, with this privilege, they, God's people in the Old Testament, you see this over and over again, and you see it in the first century, and this is why Paul is addressing the church and dealing with this issue in his day, and even carries over to our day, in that what they did is they began to see their privileged position as the carrier of God's revelation. They allowed it to be, begin to produce pride in their hearts. And so they, they equated privilege with superiority. And you had the us versus them. You know, we are the people with the revelation. And they are not. And so we are the Jewish people. They are the non-Jewish people or the Gentiles. Let me just give you one example of this type of hostility that existed between Jew and non-Jew or Jew and Gentile in the first century. If a Jewish boy married a Jewish girl or a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was actually carried out. They literally had a funeral for that Jewish boy or girl. Because such contact with a Gentile, non-Jewish person, 
was the equivalent of death. So this was the state of things in Paul's day. So some serious racial tension between Jewish people and non-Jewish people. Listen to what Paul says about this, how he describes it in verses 11 and 12. He says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. And so Paul's telling them, hey, there was a time where you did not have God. You were separated from Christ. You were alienated. And we all know how that feels. You were out, you were an outsider without access. And this is a, a sad situation. I mean, they were strangers to the covenant of promise, without hope, without God. And we all know how it feels to be on the outside. We've all experienced that to some degree or the other. And Paul's saying, this is where you were. You were on the outside. Very hard for you to gain access to who God is. I mean, can you imagine I mean, living, living with no hope? This was a situation. They were living with no hope. They had virtually no access to, to God through His Word. Uh, they didn't know why they were here. They didn't know what was going to happen when they died. They just didn't have access. They were strangers. They were aliens. And this was the reality of the Ephesians that were not Jewish. They did not know God. They were alienated, separated, and strangers to God's promises. And even today, there are people in our community, in Augusta, that are alienated from Christ. Strangers to the promises of God. They don't know them. They don't know Christ. They don't know what Christ has done for them. They don't have a part in the family of God. I mean, they are separated. They're alienated. They're strangers. And they're going through life just like those Ephesians were. Not knowing God, without hope, without God in the world. And they may even feel like there's, a, there's some type of wall here. That they can't, they can't know God. They don't know how to know God. They feel this wall may be in place. But there is, there is good news, and that's what Paul gets to in verses 13 and 14. And what he tells us is, is that Jesus broke down the wall of separation and instead installed a door. You know, doors are better than walls as far as access is concerned, right? If you've all ever tried to you know, climb a fence, or climb a wall, difficult. It's a lot easier just to open the door and walk through it, right? That's why you have doors in your house and not walls. Some of you have had walls, baby gates, right? So we've all had those challenges trying to navigate those. But anyway, what we see here is that Jesus replaced the wall of separation and alienation with the door. Look at verse 13. Paul says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So the barrier to God, the wall that was separating man from God has been torn down and Jesus paid for it. He brought it down and He paid for it by His blood on the cross. 
And it's through that tearing down this wall that you and I have access to God. And not only you and I, but everyone. Everyone in the world now has access to God through Christ. And so Paul is saying whatever walls were separating man from God before, especially in the first century, through all the different regulations and rules that the Jewish people put in place, whatever was separating man from God, those walls have been torn down and, and Jesus has replaced the wall with the door. And the reason I say that is Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John fourteen six. So Jesus took down the wall of separation and established or replaced it with a door. So whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, you are brought near to God through Christ. And what this means is whether you're male or female, black, white, old, young, rich, poor, you are brought near to God through Christ. Through Christ. He is the door. And He is the only door. There is no wall anymore, but there is a door. And that door is Christ. So now we have two things that we need to do now that this door has been established. First thing is, we have a choice to make. And that choice is, do you want to walk through that door? I mean, the door is open. It's there. The door is Christ. And we walk through that door by faith if we want to be with God forever. And so that's the door. And so you need to decide for yourself, and I need to decide for myself, do I want to walk through that door by faith? Do I want to be with God? And am I willing to come to Him through Jesus the way He has established? So that's the first choice that we must deal with. We have a choice to make. There's no other barrier than our own will. And you have to decide if you want to be with Christ or not. Second thing we need to do is as a church, we have to be careful that we do not erect any wall that tends to separate people from our community from coming to know Christ. Because Jesus has torn down the walls. So as His people, we need to be careful that we're not putting back up walls. That makes it hard for people to enter the household of God, right? We don't want the walls in place. We want the walls torn down and we want all that's left is the doorway. We want people to see that Christ is the door. He is the way we can know God and it is open to everyone who decides to walk through it. And so we want all people to be invited to know God through Christ. So not only has the wall been torn down and replaced with the door, but once you enter the door, something amazing happens. It's kind of like you know, Lewis's uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. You, know, you enter the wardrobe and it's just a, it's a brand new world. And that's what Paul tells us here. Is when you enter the doorway of Christ, something amazing happens. Listen to verses 14 through 16 and see if you can pick it up. He says, For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, 
thereby killing the hostility. Did you see what's amazing about what Jesus did? He says in verse 15, that He might create in Himself one new man in the place of two. So before you had Jew and Gentile, and now you have one new man. And what's interesting about this word new is there's two words that you could use here in the Greek for new. Uh, one usage, the, let's say word number one, uh, means new as in uh, it just kind of rolled off the assembly line. And let's say, uh, you know, this blue shirt, uh, it's actually not new. But if it were new, if I just went to the store and bought it, it would be new. But it wouldn't be new in the sense that it's unique. I mean, it's a blue shirt. I mean, half of you in here are wearing a blue shirt. So there's like thousands or millions of these blue shirts all around the world. So it's not new in the sense that it's unique. It hasn't just been invented. I mean, there's blue shirts everywhere. But it's new in the sense that it's brand new. Right? I just bought it. It's new to me. It's, it's new. But there's another word that can be used that describes not only it's being brand new, but I think of it as being invented. You know, when you invent something, it means that it did not previously exist. It has been invented. So is it new? Well, yeah, it is new because it's brand new, but also it's new in the sense that there's nothing else like it. And it's the second usage of the word that Paul is using here. He's saying God has taken... Jewish, non-Jewish people, which pretty much sums up the whole world, and he says, I'm taking these two, and I am making them one in me. It's a new man. In other words, this is a new thing. The way these two are coming together now is, is new, brand new, but uniquely new, in that it's a third type of man. It's You have Jewish, you have Gentile, but now you have them coming into this new man, this new body. And we know what that body is. It's called the church. And so this is what happens when you walk through that door in Christ. You become one with everyone else who is in Christ. So our unity comes from being united with Christ. So when you are in Christ, your primary identity, now listen to this, your primary identity is you are in Christ. You are a Christian. That's your primary identity. And that's why there can be unity in a church body, even though there's diversity. Because our all of us, if we're in Christ... Our primary identity is that we are united with Christ. And so we all share that in common, which fosters unity, even in the midst of diversity. And we know there's diversity, not only in how you look or how old you are or where you come from, but also in giftedness, etc. But the reason there can be unity is because we are linked with the same head, and that is Christ. So our union with Christ overshadows every other difference that we may have with one another. And that's the power of being united with Christ, whether it be uh, our heritage, our citizenship, our position in society, our culture, our language, our political affiliation, the color of our skin, or whether we are male and female, 
our union with Christ overshadows all those distinctions. That's why Paul can say, you've been made one, this new man. Because you've been linked with Christ. That's the power of Christ. So our oneness with Christ produces, and this is really what Paul's arguing here, is that your oneness with Christ is producing oneness with all those who are in Christ. That's what he's trying to tell everybody in in Ephesus. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you are with Christ, then you are one with His people. Now just think about this. Let's, Let's say you have a daughter. And let's say your daughter is dating this guy and they're talking about getting married. But the guy is very upfront about, hey, if I, if I marry you, I don't want anything to do with your family. I don't want to get to know them. I don't want to be around them. I'll marry you, but I don't, want, I don't want anything to do with your family. If I have to go to a family gathering, I'm not saying anything. I'm not being friendly to anybody. I'm just going to pretend they don't even exist. Yeah. Well, you would probably say, uh, honey, um, I'm not in favor of this marriage. Because this guy's a jerk. <laughs> this guy, where's he, what's he thinking? And we all know that would be a toxic relationship, right? Because we know that when you marry someone, you marry the family. You don't just marry the individual. It's not like you, all, you two are just on some island out there. I mean, you marry everything that comes with that person. And that's the family. So you are brought into their family. So now you become a son. You become a daughter. You become a brother, sister. I mean, an uncle, an aunt. I mean, you are part of that family now. And so that's why it's so strange that you would say, yeah, I just want to marry your daughter, but I I don't want anything to do with the rest of you. You would say, well, that's just not how things work. And in a similar way, that can be our tendency with the church. We want to marry Christ but we just don't want anything to do with your people. <laughs> so we just separate ourselves from Christians. We don't want to get to know them. We don't want to build relationships. We don't want to care for them and serve them. We don't want to join a local church. We keep them at a distance, but I want Jesus. And you think, well, isn't that strange? Because I don't see where that's the plan here. Paul's saying that's not the plan. Guess what? When you became one with Christ, you married the family. You're in. This is your family now. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what you look like. This is your family. And that's what he's trying to get across here. And it's a beautiful truth for those who had no family. That's who he's talking to, the Gentiles. Remember? They were on the outside. They didn't have any family. And now he's saying, guess what? You're part of the family. That's good news. And I think the challenge for us, especially if you've been in a church family most of your life, it can be easy just to kind of take it for granted and not realize there are so many people in our community that do not have this type of family that loves them, cares for them, prays for them, will help them, encourage them, speak truth to them. There are thousands and thousands of people in Augusta here that do not have that. They are on the outside. They have no hope. What, what good news for them to tell them, hey, you can be a part of a family. And it's open to everybody. All you need to do is come to the door and His name is Christ. And so the expectation is when we are united with Christ, 
we will get to know His people as part of our family. And we will not treat others that are in Christ as second class members. Let me just be frank here. If you don't like people from different backgrounds, different um, cultures that may look different than you, then you will not like heaven. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a shocker to you, but the Bible says that, one, we are to make disciples of all nations. And then the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that every tribe, tongue, and nation will walk through this door named Christ and enter the family of God. And so if you don't like people that are different than you, then you are not going to like heaven. Because that is what God is building. That's the kind of family that God enjoys. He loves diversity. Because it displays the magnitude of who He is, right? We are made in His image. And so you bring diverse humanity together and we're getting a glimpse of the majesty of God. And so the Bible tells us that every tribe, tongue, and nation will walk through the door by faith. And as a church, we should be embracing people regardless of who they are or what they look like. And we should be helping them make their way through this door by faith, right? That's what we want to see happen, no matter who they are. And the church today, I think, should begin to look like the church of the future. We need to begin to look like that. And the only way for that to happen is if we realize our oneness in Christ. If you don't see your oneness in Christ, if you don't see Christ as your identity, then you will not reach out to those who are not like you. Because there's going to be walls there. And the only way walls are torn down is through Christ. At least that's what Paul is telling us. So if we erect walls in the church, whether spoken or unspoken, then we'll end up with a church of homogeneous people. What I mean by that is you'll just be around people like you that share similar interests than you and from similar backgrounds as you. But if we really begin to branch out and have this attitude that Paul is describing here, oneness in Christ opens the door to everyone in our community, then I believe our church would begin to look somewhat like our community around us, right? If we're really taking the gospel to our community, then we're going to see people from all parts of our community enter that door by faith and become part of the household of God. And so what we have to be careful and we've got to watch out for is that just like the first century Jews, we cannot allow blessing to lead to pride. Because we can fall into the same trap where we feel blessed to know the Lord. And instead of being more open-handed and, and giving out the gospel, we can kind of just insulate ourselves and be selective in who we minister to and share the gospel with. And we could fall into that same danger of being pride. And, you know, we cannot allow God's grace to be overshadowed by race. You see, because God's grace is bigger than that. All nations will come to know Christ. You know, someone said it this way. I thought it was a great way to think about it. Listen to this. Someone said it this way. Racism 
tries to redraw lines that have been erased by the cross of Christ. Racism tries to redraw lines, or you could say build walls that have been erased or torn down through the cross of Christ. Jesus tore down the barrier through His death on the cross, and now He's made it possible for us and everybody to be reconciled to God and with one another. And Paul tells us that this leads to peace. Look at verses 17 and 18. He says, And He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. You see, we're on equal playing field here. We're on the equal, equal playing field. We all come to God through the cross. We all have access in one Spirit to the Father. And what we see is that Jesus brings peace, which means more than just uh, a cessation of fighting, but it means wholeness. You know, it, it's, a, it's a comprehensive term for salvation and life with God and one another. He brings peace to those who are far off and those who are near. And He's actually made us one. That's the mystical uh, union that Christ has accomplished in His church. That He has made us one. We don't always live it out, but that is true of who we are. We are one in Christ. Jesus brings people together. That's, who, that's what He does. And He makes them into something wonderful. And then Paul uses two metaphors to describe this oneness. First he says that we're no longer strangers or aliens, alienated from God, but we have been brought into the household of God, he says. So if you're in Christ, you belong to the family of God, and this is a very diverse family, as most families are, at least personality-wise. You know, it's a diverse family, and that's a good thing. But we have unity because of Christ and we are in the same family and we can experience that unity because we have a common Savior. Second metaphor he uses is that of a temple. Look at verses 20 through 22. He says that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure. I love this being a civil engineer. This is my kind of language here. You know, we're building some structures, the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Just a little side note, I took uh, my family to Athens, Georgia yesterday. You all know I went to Clemson. I'm just, hey, we're one. I'm just, you know, just extending the, the you know, the, uh, the handshake of peace and you know, saying we're one. We're one in the body, okay? So anyway, this is the kind of building we're building. Even Georgia fans and Clemson and Georgia Tech and all the like. We're all becoming one because Christ is our identity. He's our primary identifier, right? We have a common Savior. And so we're in the same family. And we also are being built in this temple. And so what he says is, we are, we are the family of God, but we are also the temple of God where His presence dwells. And it's interesting, you know, in the Old Testament, only a select few people, and as you got closer to the Holy of Holies, even fewer people were allowed to get close to the presence of God. And now God is saying, you know what's happening is I'm building a temple, and everyone's in it that wants to come in through Christ. I mean, Christ is the door. Everyone's welcome to come into that court and experience my presence through the Spirit. Everybody's welcome to be part of this structure. 
but they have to come through Christ. And then he says the foundation, the foundation of the temple, these are, it comes from the apostles and prophets. So God's word is the foundation. But you need more than just the foundation. You need to know how to line it up. And all the load, all the line, alignment comes from the cornerstone. And who is the cornerstone? Christ is the cornerstone. Everything is lined up on Him. All the weight falls on Him. But it is on Him that we can be built up into this temple of people where the presence of God dwells by the Spirit. And so like I mentioned at the beginning, there, there is a place. There is a place for walls and fences. You know, where, whether it's uh, you know, in your home. I'm a fan of that. Or in your backyard. And we'll leave it up to our government leaders and how they want to implement that in our country. But when it comes to the church, what we see is that God is not constructing a wall. But He's constructing a temple. For His presence to dwell. And through Jesus, the path has been opened to us all and to everyone on the planet to be part of this this great building project that God is building. So instead of making it more difficult for people to become citizens of heaven by maintaining the walls that are so easily constructed by us all, we need to be like our Savior and go to the lost regardless of who they are or what they look like And invite them in to the family of God. Let's pray. Father, that is our desire. Lord, if we are building any walls, if there's any walls in our heart that keep us from reaching out to people around us for whatever reason, Lord, we pray you would tear them down in our hearts and replace them with your love and your grace and your mercy so that we can... Reach out to them and invite them into your family. Lord, you have a diverse family, the most diverse family on the planet. And you love it. Lord, help us to love it. Lord, help us to be your agents of grace, no matter who we come in contact with. And may whoever comes to the Hill Baptist Church, may they always feel welcome and loved as we seek to point them to you and invite them into your family. And that is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.